Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those presents, some of those presents were saying indignantly to one another, why the waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, will, the poor you will always have with you. And you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my, on my body beforehand and prepared for my burial. Truly I tell you, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the, went to the chief priest to betray, betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched, so he watched for the opportunity to hand him over. Amen. Thank you, Robin. This week in the news, Christian news, Christian outlets and things, if you haven't heard or don't follow those as closely, heaven gained another saint this week, and the earth has lost a spiritual, praying, preaching, godly man. Another man called to home to heaven, who touched the lives of thousands and thousands of men and women, whose resources will continue to touch the lives of thousands and thousands of men and women. Charles Stanley, since he was 12 years old, gave his life to Christ, devoted his whole life to helping other people understand their need for a Savior, and that Savior's name is Jesus. And one of his quotes, and I share with you, and I quote, If sympathy is all that the human being needs, then the cross of Christ is absurd. And there is absolutely no need for it. What the world needs is not a little bit of love, but a major surgery. If you think you are helping lost people with a little bit of sympathy and a little understanding, you are a traitor to Jesus Christ. You must have a right standing relationship, right standing relationship with him yourself and pour your life out in helping others in his way, not in a human way that ignores God, end quote. That cross, that cross, that universal symbol has to be part of our message as a walk of Christianity, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. And I think that's a powerful statement for our church today. As we hear this lesson, this scripture passage, you know, if anyone there in that moment, 
in that home of Simon the leper, if anyone had been daydreaming, thinking about something else, thinking about what they was going to do that night or what the plans were for the weekend or who they're going to hang out with or what the next supper was going to be that they were going to cook for their family. If they failed to grasp the significance of this woman that came in their midst and came into that room with this act of love, an act of love, Jesus was ready to put them in their place. And I believe that's what many need in the church today. We need Jesus to put us in our place. We need to get ourselves in a place where Jesus has put us. Not where we put ourselves, not on our own soapbox, not on our own personal opinions. But what's it say in verse 3? All in one verse tells us everything the woman did. She came to where Jesus was. She brought a gift of expensive perfume. And she pours the perfume on Jesus' head. It wasn't the Gatorade dump. It was a poor, gentle, gradual. We don't know how much she had, but I'm sure it wasn't a lot. But it was enough that got the attention of everyone in the room. It was enough to take care of business. Because this is the Son of God. He wouldn't have needed it. But we all need this teaching moment. Each and every one of us. This unnamed woman. Unnamed. We do not have a name. She never says one word. She never says one word. But Jesus speaks. And in verse 8 and 9, he says, She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. When, wherever the gospel is preached, throughout the world... See, Jesus is already preparing them. My gospel is going to go in the whole world and everywhere in the world. So wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's what Jesus said. That act of love for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Odds are that was, she took her last money, all that she had, all, all her resources, just to get that one bottle of perfume. And she's going to use it for her Lord and Savior. All of it. Not a drop, not half, but all of it. Church, are, are we all in like that? Are we all in like that woman? We don't even know her name. But Jesus says, as long as there's opportunity for my word to be preached, my word to be read, she's going to be in the eternal book of life. God's word. The living word. How humbling this had to be for this woman. The Holy Spirit was upon her. 
She was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises, as long as the word of God is proclaimed, her act of love, her kindness, and her obedience will be read and recognized and be an example for us to follow. Preparing Christ's body for burial. Preparing Christ for his burial. Here we find ourselves as Christians here in 2023. We are to carry on the tradition of serving one another in love. Loving the Lord as we love ourselves and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Kindness and obedience. Outpouring. All these actions are an outward sign of the Christian life, but they also accomplish uh, inward work as well. Showing what's happening inside of us. That holy work taking place in us. This act of service for Christ is an example for us to do acts of service to our brothers and sisters. To love and share and embrace this spiritual work. A spiritual work, how it produces a humility and generosity in each of us. In all of us. And I hope it also would, would produce the attitude and understanding of gratitude that as we serve the Lord and we serve the church, we serve one another, it's for the Lord and no other reason to do the Lord's work. Now, I, I didn't know King Henry III, but I read about him back in the 11th century. And this king, King Henry III, can you imagine, he grew tired of this palace life. He grew tired of his kingly life. He grew tired of the pressures. He grew tired of this life and the monarch that it was. So he took an application, an application that he filled out, and he took it to Prior Richard at the local monastery. And he asked to be accepted as a contemplative individual to spend the rest of his life in that monastery. Prior Richard said, well, your majesty, what are you talking about? Do you understand that that would be a pledge to obedience? Imagine that telling the king, you're making this pledge that you're going to be obedient. That you're going to listen to someone else. But that's what Prior Richard said. And he goes on to say, King Henry said, that will be hard as the king, but I understand. The rest of my life, I want to be obedient. I want to learn from you, Prior Richard as Christ leads you. That's what the king said. The king, king is ready to turn his life around in a 180. How about the rest of us? When we are tired, we're tired of our roles, 
We're tired of our responsibilities. We're tired of the daily grind. Why are we so tired? Why are we overloaded ourselves? Why are we doing all these things that come in front of Christ and his work? It is important for us to remember wherever you may be at this very moment, God is there too. The Lord is there with you. And he's not surprised by anything that's happening. He's fully prepared and he's fully prepared to stay there with you. He's fully prepared to help you grow in that life of obedience with him. You're planted there for a time. It may be, not be the place you want to be at the moment. It might not, it might not be the best situation, but, but you're there and the Lord is there as well. You may be tired of being a mother. You may be tired of being a doctor, an accountant, a farmer, a teacher, and all the responsibilities of whatever your job is. You may be tired of being a peon on the end of the food chain at work and getting all the nasty jobs. You may be one tired of having to stay after and pick up after all the ungrateful other employees. That may be you. Whatever you are, where you are in this, what does Jesus Christ expect from all of us? Jesus Christ expects faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's what he expects. Just as this woman brought all that she owned, probably in that bottle of perfume, the woman's actions were the last physical contact and action and kindness done to Jesus. That last act of loving human touch to Jesus Christ before it all went down, before it all turned south, before the world just dumped on him because he let it happen because he loved the world. He loves all of us. He loves you. So he's right where you are. He's with you wherever you're at in that rut or that, you know, that daily grind, that bondage. He's there and he wants to help you. Oh, how his heart, his mind, his body must have treasured that moment as that woman came to him. Four lessons about love, and I know we've got to wrap it up. One, verse six. Jesus said, she had done a beautiful thing. She had done a beautiful thing to me. Your Bible may say good work. Other Bible translations says lovely. She's done a lovely thing to me. That's what Jesus said. Are you doing lovely things for the Lord? Number two, true love is extravagant. True love does not calculate. True love doesn't care about the more or less. It just loves. There are no considerations about how little can I do and still take the most I can get. How little can I love and how reckless can I be with love and still come out on top? Number three, love recognizes that there is a difference between true love 
in the act of impulse. You know, the tragedy of our world today is so fast-paced society and culture that we're just ready to move on. Move on, move on. Get in line and go. Get on down the road. Why is the traffic slowing down? Why is it stopping? It's like, get going. And that carries over into everything in our life. We can never get ready fast enough. We never get out to the vehicle. We can never get out the driveway fast enough. We can't get down the road. We can't get here. We can't get there. I've always said Jesus never loved and healed anybody on the run. He always stopped. He heard them and he stopped. So we've got to recognize those moments. We can't let that love push us to the point where we're just going as fast as we can because you're not loving as we should. Number four, in this love that we see, it is invincible. It is invincible. An invincible confidence in Jesus Christ. Do you have that much confidence in Jesus Christ? That your love for Christ, your love because of Christ, is invincible because Jesus Christ is invincible. He defeated sin and death and he lives. The cross, the cross, was looming ahead of Jesus as he's being anointed in this last act of human love being shown to him by this unnamed woman. He knows what's down the road. He knows what's coming. But he was in the moment. He was in the moment with that woman and Simon and the leper and whoever else was in that room. He also knew that the good news would go around the world. That his church would begin and the disciples would go into all the world year after year, generation after generation. We don't know how long it's going to go. We don't know how many more years this earth's going to last before he comes back. But Jesus knew without a doubt, because he was God and because he was eternal, the good news would go in the story of this lovely thing that has been done, this reckless, extravagant impulse of a moment of invincible confidence of who Jesus was and who Jesus is, and who Jesus always will be, will live on and on and on. I hope that's the type of church we evolve into. So much Jesus. So much Jesus. And so much less of us as individuals. You know, outside the door... The world would see many things. They may hear a little bit about Jesus' life and death. But outside the front door, what it should really say, Jesus in business for over 2,000 years. Jesus is still in business. Are we in business with him? Or are we in business for another reason? We have to figure that out. Let us pray. 
Father God, you have called us all to ministry. We, you've, you've given us and you blessed us the opportunity to hear the gospel. It may have been through our parents and may have been through Sunday school. Maybe growing up in this church our whole life or growing up in other churches. Or maybe you were just here going to church here and there off and on. Where will you find us right now, Lord Jesus? We're here. And I pray that because we're here. We don't want to stay here. We want to go forth with you, Jesus. We just don't want to say, oh, it's Sunday. It's time to go to church. I pray that we would become a church that's so excited for church and church events and, and church activities that we'd say, Lord, let's go to work. Lord, open me up to do your business. Lord, lead me to doing things and not just doing things but that we would love doing lovely things in the name of Jesus Christ for your glory and your kingdom for this community and for the ministry of this church right here and right now Lord Jesus lead us we pray and in your name I pray Amen would you stand